Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 46 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. They Walk Among Us is part of the Acast Creator Network. The role of the prison system is to punish offenders, protect the public and rehabilitate inmates. In the majority of cases, convicted offenders can be reformed and re-enter society to live a productive, law-abiding existence. But in some instances, prison can bring out the worst in people who are already deemed dangerous. On the morning of Saturday, October 1st, 2011, convicted violent offenders Nathan Mann and Michael Parr lured another inmate, Mitchell Harrison, into cell C-22. The prisoners were housed on the vulnerable prisoner wing at HMP Franklin in County Durham. Mann covered the observation panel on the cell door with a piece of cardboard to prevent any guards from seeing inside. As Harrison entered the cell, Mann grabbed him and pushed Harrison onto the bed. Pa held Harrison's legs as Mann attempted to strangle him, before stabbing Harrison repeatedly with a biro and a scalpel, 
crudely fashioned from a razor blade and a piece of plastic cutlery. The makeshift weapon severed an artery in Mitchell Harrison's neck, which caused him to bleed out. As Harrison was slowly dying, Man and Pa continued to stab him, forcefully driving the biro into his eye. Nathan Mann used the scalpel to cut into Harrison's neck as far as the bone, but he was unable to decapitate him entirely with the homemade weapon. Mann then cut across Harrison's stomach and dragged the blade upwards, which caused the victim's intestines to spill out. It had taken around 30 minutes of intense brutality before the pair stopped the attack. After disemboweling Mitchell Harrison with the razor blade, Nathan Mann and Michael Parr bizarrely settled down to do something entirely normal. They boiled a kettle and had a cup of tea and a cigarette together. When they were ready, they calmly left the cell and reported what they had done to a senior officer. Prison guards rushed to the cell where they found Mitchell Harrison lifeless on the bed. His organs were exposed, and he had a number of gaping wounds to his abdomen and neck. Man and Parr explained to the officer who they had killed, as Harrison's injuries made it nearly impossible for the prison guards to identify the victim on just a visual inspection. In his early 30s at the time of the killing, Michael Parr had a violent history that saw him convicted of attempted murder following an attack in late 2002. Parr had been committed to a psychiatric ward in Durham's County Hospital following concerns that he would try to take his life. Parr was sharing a room with another patient, Owen Robson, and in the early morning hours... Parr got out of bed and walked over to Robson, who was sleeping. Parr tried to suffocate Robson with a pillow. Parr later said he wanted to kill himself and believed that he could, quote, hitch a ride on Owen Robson's departing spirit if he killed him. Michael Parr was due to be discharged from the hospital the following day and said that he panicked. Parr pleaded guilty in June 2003 and was given a life sentence with a minimum term of four years. Prior to being sentenced, a psychiatric report was completed for the court. The doctor found that Michael Parr was suffering from a severe and long-standing personality disorder with a propensity for homicidal and sexual fantasies. While on remand at HMP Durham, Parr had described how he became sexually aroused while daydreaming about decapitating and disemboweling other prisoners. The psychiatrist said that Parr reported the fantasies which went back as far as his youth. Parr was transferred to HMP Franklin for assessment and treatment in the Westgate unit, a separate facility within the prison that treats dangerous prisoners with severe personality disorders. Parr completed the Chromis program 
which aims to identify, reduce and manage risk in high-risk offenders who have psychopathic traits hindering their ability to engage in treatment. After six years at the Westgate unit, Michael Parr had exhausted all of the treatment options available to him. In June 2010, he was moved to the Oswin unit, a medium security facility within the community, similar to an open prison with strict requirements. A year later, Parr was sent back to HMP Franklin and moved on to Seawing. However, he was not referred to the mental health team in the prison. Michael Parr's accomplice in the attack on Mitchell Harrison was 23-year-old Nathan Mann. Four years earlier, on November 7, 2007, age 19, Mann opened an unlocked window at Hayes Park Nursing Home in Leicester. After climbing inside a room at the care home, Mann came across two residents, 56-year-old Rashmi Badini and 72-year-old Radhabin Shauhan. Rashmi Badini was in ill health. She suffered from heart problems, epilepsy, diabetes and required specialist care, as did Rahabin Shauhan, who had been left partially paralysed after a stroke, and she suffered from dementia. When Rashmi reached for the emergency cord to raise the alarm, Man beat the 56-year-old to death, delivering blows so fierce that they fractured her facial bones and caused internal bleeding. The attack was so vicious that the noise of the beating woke Radhabin Shauhan. Man pinned her down on the bed and bundled the bedclothes over her face, suffocating her. Before fleeing, Man jammed a chair under the handle of the door to stop any staff members from coming to the aid of the residents. The attacks had lasted nine minutes, and Man was seen climbing out of the window just after 11.30pm, wiping away his fingerprints before disappearing into the darkness. Nathan Mann fled to a friend's house, admitting what he had done and saying that he was the lowest of the low. Man turned himself in the next day. He later pleaded guilty to the double murder and said that he had broken in in an attempt to find alcohol. Man had burgled the nursing home before and managed to take £240 from the staff room but admitted that he had been drunk when he broke in on November 7th. He said he panicked. There was evidence that Mann had sexually assaulted the victims, but he denied this. Prior to being sentenced, a psychiatric report was completed in which a consultant said that in his teens, Nathan Mann had a history of abusing animals and began consuming drugs and alcohol at the age of 11. The psychiatrist explained that Mann had violent fantasies of resentment. Still, the consultant had no doubt that Mann's revulsion at his own behaviour was genuine. The court report read in part, 
for as long as he can remember. He has been prone to feeling his anger and frustration in violent fantasy. He has imagined attacking those who have annoyed him by kicking, punching and even biting the nose or ear off such an antagonist. Even in his violent fantasies, it seems his gratification is just over the thought of hitting out at others to relieve his frustrations rather than sadistically revelling in the injuries caused or the pain suffered. Though he has some capacity to feel guilt, he tends to act without considering the consequences and only tends to regret distressing those he knows. Nathan Mann was sentenced to a minimum of 24 years and four months in prison. When addressing the now-convicted murderer, the presiding judge, Mr Justice McComb, said, A double murder is particularly serious, and all the more so when perpetrated on defenceless and incapacitated ladies. The gruesome injuries inflicted go far beyond anything required to make your escape. This was a frenzied attack on two victims who could hardly have been more vulnerable. It was revealed that Nathan Mann had previously been convicted of battery in 2002, common assault in 2005, and actual bodily harm in 2007. He was transferred to HMP Franklin in July 2009. Mann was diagnosed with a severe personality disorder, and he requested to move to the Westgate unit where he could receive treatment. Mann's request was initially denied. While incarcerated at HMP Frankland, Nathan Mann was eventually moved to the vulnerable prisoner wing. The cell next door was occupied by Michael Parr, and together they devised a plan to kill another prisoner. Mann had accumulated a significant amount of drug debt behind bars, which resulted in him being kept on the wing, among other reasons. Parr had told psychiatrists that he was considering transitioning to become a woman, making being housed in the general population a safety risk. Parr was also caught having, quote, unhealthy relationships with other prisoners resulting in the vulnerable prisoner wing being the best place to house him. From late 2009, after being transferred to HMP Franklin, Nathan Mann reported that he was hearing voices that instructed him to hurt people. In January 2011, Mann had spoken with a nurse at the prison, Susan Duffy. During their conversations, he claimed to have severe anxiety and said he had experienced auditory hallucinations. The nurse believed that Mann was lying in order to get prescription medication that he could sell. Duffy did, however, take Mann seriously when he told her that he wanted to commit the goriest murder ever seen so that he could be moved to solitary confinement. The following month, Mann reported that he heard voices more often and told staff members that he would do something drastic if he did not get moved off the wing he was housed in. Mann explained to the nurse that he was not going to be released for at least 20 years, 
so he had nothing to lose. After this comment, Mann was moved to the vulnerable prisoner wing. Mann had said he planned on killing a nonce, a term used to describe a paedophile. His violent fantasies were reported to the security department by the nurse, but this information was not passed on to the prison officers working on C-Wing. A diary later found in his cell described Mann's plans to kill someone. In February 2010, Mann wrote that he could not handle the fact that he had killed two vulnerable people. He could not cope with the voices in his head, which made him believe that someone was going to kill him. Mann described how he thought killing someone would be the only way to get himself segregated from other prisoners. He wrote that it was not bad if he killed another prisoner, because they were bad people anyway. In his writings, Mann planned to grab someone off the landing and beat them to death in his cell, or strangle them so there would not be any blood. After they died, he would pull out their eyes and remove their ears, lips and eyelids. Mann devised how he could hide the body by folding it in two and putting it in his, quote, blue box. Mann wanted to eat any of the organs he removed to see how they tasted. Over the next few days... Mann wrote that he wanted to use the blade from a Stanley knife stolen from the prison workshop to cut someone's throat. He described how he could not sleep because he continually thought about committing murder. Mann sought to turn his toilet brush into a spear and kill anyone he saw. He wanted the murder to be so gruesome that it would give the prison staff nightmares. In fact, four officers had to take leave from work after discovering Mitchell Harrison's body. A diary written by Nathan Mann was found on February 17, 2011, nine months before the murder. In April of that year, he had given a note to the mental health nurse which read, I can't handle this anymore. I feel claustrophobic. I am constantly fearing for my life. I have thought long and hard about this and I don't see another way out. I haven't got the guts to kill myself, but I've certainly got the guts to kill someone else. I can't handle the fact that I've killed two vulnerable people. I can't handle all the people around me. I can't handle the voices in my head. I can't handle constantly thinking that someone is going to kill me. I can't handle the fact I've got to put on a front. This is supposed to be a VP prison. There's loads of main prisoners. These wings are supposed to be bearable. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I do know how to fix these problems. I'm going to kill someone unless I get some proper help. I can't be on these wings anymore. I cannot cope with this. Killing someone is the only way I can get through this. When I do this, I will be segregated from everyone. That way I'll be able to cope. I do hope the officers are going to take me seriously. If I don't get help, I'll show them the most goriest killings they have ever seen. 
Killing someone is the only way out. Once I've done this, it might take the pressure off the reason why I'm here. It will certainly take my mind off of things. Michael Parr later told the police that he was excited that he had found someone to share his interest in killing and consuming organs. That person was Nathan Mann. After luring Mitchell Harrison into the cell and killing him on the morning of October 1st, 2011, the pair decided against removing his liver, as they reportedly did not like the look of it, instead opting to have a cup of tea. At around 9.40am, a female prison officer responded to the bell being pressed in the cell and opened the door. She did not see inside. Michael Parr and Nathan Mann had already made their way to an office on the prison wing. Mann calmly told the prison officer that there was a dead body in the cell and admitted that they had planned the attack and just, quote, fancied doing it. Mann said that he knew Parr and after a while he told him about his thoughts of murdering someone. He discovered Parr felt the same way. The day after the murder, Nathan Mann said that he had planned the killing with Michael Parr over a week before carrying out their fantasy. He explained that Parr had passed razor blades to him by swinging them on a length of string between their cell windows. Mann kept the blade stored in a plastic tub called the Blue Box. The pair claimed they chose Mitchell Harrison because they thought he was arrogant but in fact they had little knowledge of Harrison prior to the murder. He had been lured to the cell under the pretense of being a lookout, so Parr and Mann could have sex. They had chosen that day in particular because Saturdays gave them more free time to move around, and they felt it was the best opportunity to commit the awful acts they had planned. After being told about his brutal death, the family of 23-year-old Mitchell Dean Harrison released a statement through the Durham Police. Describing the devastation of losing a much-loved son and brother, it read, Although we never condoned his past actions, he was serving his time and was, by all accounts, a model trusted prisoner who did not deserve to die in this horrific way. We look forward to the day when the people responsible are brought to justice. Mitchell Harrison had been in trouble with the authorities from a young age. At 13, he was given a formal warning from the police after indecently assaulting a seven-year-old child. Two years later, Harrison grabbed a classmate's breasts and threatened to rape her. On August 17th, 2009, Harrison brought a 13-year-old girl to a flat in the Cumbrian town of Kendall under the guise of picking up cigarettes and money. Once inside, he forced the girl to strip and raped her twice. 
When someone else entered the flat, the girl bravely grabbed her clothes in her arms and ran out onto the street, naked and desperate for help. Her mother spoke to the Westmoreland Gazette the following year and said, She can't go to sleep without a light on, and she says things like she wishes she was dead. Sometimes she has to sleep with me in my bed, and for a long time she wouldn't come out of her room. She's still scared. It has been a nightmare. Words cannot begin to describe how awful it has been. You think these things only happen on TV, not to your own family. The whole ordeal has made me feel ill. I tried going back to work, but it was just too hard, having to go over it in your mind again and again, and it doesn't get easier. It doesn't feel better with time. I still can't even talk about it without crying. This should never have happened to my daughter. She will carry it with her for the rest of her life. I hope as she gets older she can put it behind her and she can just think, at least I survived. The girl's grandmother was also interviewed and told a reporter for the local paper. If you know her, she just looks so young. She doesn't wear provocative clothes or look older. I think he's just a bad, bad person. A paedophile who has not shown any remorse for what he did. Mitchell Harrison was charged with rape two days after the attack occurred. The following year, he pleaded guilty to the charge. The prosecutor told Carlisle Crown Court that Harrison had abused a 15-year-old days before the rape he was arrested for. Harrison was 21 years old when he received a minimum sentence of four and a half years in prison. Detective Inspector Dave Banks, who worked on the investigation, said, This case involves a violent, cruel attack on a defenceless 13-year-old girl, which has resulted in a brutal offender being taken off our streets. Rape is an incredibly violent offence that can have long-lasting consequences not only for the victims, but also for their families and loved ones. In order to catch sex offenders, we need victims to be confident that they will be believed, and we will do all we can to bring offenders to justice. Mitchell Harrison was placed on the sex offenders register for the rest of his life, a life that ended the following year in Franklin Prison. Harrison had been transferred to HMP Franklin in October 2010, and was housed on Seawing in the Vulnerable Prisoner Unit. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand, and now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safer families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to centair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at centair.com. Franklin Prison, like HMP Wakefield, has been called Monster Mansion. The high-security facility in County Durham is home to some of the UK's most violent and notorious offenders. The Category A men's prison was opened in 1983 
and houses up to 844 prisoners at any given time. It is the largest high-security prison in the country. Inmates are segregated into different residential wings. Over a quarter of the prisoners are classified as Category A and are housed with other enhanced offenders in a secure unit. Half of the prison population are classed as vulnerable due to the offences they committed or disabilities they may have. Notorious killers like Peter Sutcliffe, Ian Huntley, Michael Stone and Levi Belfield are or have been held at HMP Franklin. While Mitchell Harrison was the first person to be killed at Franklin since it opened, there have been several violent incidents behind the prison walls. Ian Huntley's throat was slit by another inmate in 2010. He had been convicted of killing 10-year-olds Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman in 2003 and given two life sentences. Huntley was moved to HMP Franklin in 2008 after having boiling water thrown over him in Wakefield Prison. The prisoner who committed the attack, Damien Fawkes, strangled convicted child killer Colin Hatch the following year. Fawkes was transferred to Full Sutton from HMP Franklin following the attempted murder of Ian Huntley, and in February 2011 he took Hatch hostage before ending his life. Fawkes was given a double life sentence for the attacks, but the mother of Hatch's victim, Sean Williams, a seven-year-old who had been strangled to death in 1993, said that justice had finally been done. Michael Parr pleaded guilty to the murder of Mitchell Harrison, but Nathan Mann entered a plea of guilty to manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility, a plea that was accepted by the Crown. At a sentencing hearing in July 2012, psychiatrists who had examined the men described Mann as one of the most dangerous individuals in the criminal justice system. They called him a remorseless, callous psychopath. Man's behaviour was labelled premeditated, carefully planned, devious and manipulative. During his conversation with a psychiatrist, Man spoke about his fellow inmate and said, quote, I think about killing people all the time. I told Parr about my thoughts. He had similar thoughts and we bonded. We grew closer and became friends. I told him about one of my thoughts about killing the man and eating his liver. He said, I'll do it with you. I don't think this would have happened if me and him had never met. I got to know him a bit more. I told him about all my problems, including the voices and thoughts about killing people. He had similar problems. He came from the DSPD unit in the hospital. I'm not sure what his problems were. He had similar thoughts of killing people. If I'd never been put near him, this wouldn't have happened. Not that he instigated it all. The two of us were having the thoughts together, and it made it more appealing to do, 
and seemed easier to do, whereas on my own, I just had the thoughts of wanting to do it. Both of us wanted to do it. I got these thoughts all the time. I just get them. I don't want to have them. I tell him I wanted to cut people up and eat them and he'd laughed and said he would do that and we'd done it. It was my idea that kicked it off. I decided to kill Harrison. I said, come on then, we'll do it then. We'd spoken to each other out of the window at night about a week before and we'd planned how we were going to do it. Pa told me, I've planted a seed by telling Harrison to come round and watch the door so that you could have sex with someone else. But that was all fake. It was just to get him round. I backed out and said I don't know about this. But after a couple of days I decided I would do it. After it was like I came out of a trance and reality kicked in and I couldn't believe what I'd done. Michael Parr admitted what had happened as soon as he was interviewed by the police. He said that man told him he wanted to kill Mitchell Harrison, and Parr jokingly said he would help him. Parr told the psychiatrist, It was a build-up over a week, and eventually it turned to planning, but to me, it didn't feel real. It was just silly chat, all the way up to it happening. It didn't feel real. I had plans for the day. Up until it actually happened, I thought it was just one big joke. The sentencing judge, Mr Justice Openshaw, told Michael Parr and Nathan Mann that they may well end their lives in prison. Parr was handed a minimum sentence of 32 years and man was told he must spend at least 16 years in prison, on top of the sentence he was already serving. This meant that neither was likely to ever be released. After the sentences were delivered, Mitchell Harrison's family released a statement that described how their lives had been shattered by killing labelled horrific. His death was cruel and unnecessary. As his family, we live with the pain and heartache that losing Mitchell has caused us. Now that criminal proceedings are over, we await the outcome of the Ombudsman Review of the Prison Service so that we can find out how this terrible crime was allowed to happen. Detective Chief Inspector Steve Chapman also spoke outside the court, saying, Mitchell Harrison was a young man who was, by all accounts, a model prisoner at HMP Franklin. Although his family never condoned his past actions, he was still their much-loved son and brother, and they were supporting him as he served his custodial sentence. His untimely death and the horrific nature of it left his family devastated. The prisons and probation ombudsman held an inquest into Mitchell Harrison's death the following year. 
Harrison was a Category B prisoner who had been moved to HMP Franklin, a Category A prison, to complete a sex offenders treatment program. All three prisoners were kept on C-Wing in single occupancy cells. C-Wing is divided into three residential areas that hold 108 prisoners in total. Harrison was housed on the C-3 landing, an L-shaped corridor on the first floor of the building that has 18 cells. Parr and Mann were on the C-2 landing, a corridor with 36 cells in the opposite corner of the same floor. At that period, no CCTV cameras were covering either corridor. During free time, like on Saturday mornings when the murder occurred, prisoners were free to move between the landings and to socialise. Detailing the security arrangements, an inspector who went to Franklin in December 2012 said... Franklin held some of the most dangerous and challenging prisoners in the system, and it was reassuring that dynamic security arrangements were good with an excellent flow of intelligence into the security department. Arrangements were generally proportionate. However, supervision of prisoners on the vulnerable prisoners' wings was not always sufficient. Overall, Prisoners' perceptions of safety were more positive than in comparative prisons. Reported levels of violence were low, but there had been some instances of extreme violence. The prison was aware of the risks, but vulnerable prisoners' perceptions of safety were poorer than others. Professor Anthony Madden had been tasked with reviewing Michael Parr and Nathan Mann's psychiatric care on behalf of the prison ombudsman. Professor Madden said that both Parr and Mann had severe personality disorders. Quote, The disorder relates to the way an individual is psychologically constructed and it emerges in late adolescence. Personality disorders can be thought of as extremes of personality. Everybody can be irate or anxious at times, but some people are extremely irritable or anxious for most of the time, and then can be said to have personality disorders. Everybody is capable of antisocial behaviour, but antisocial or dissocial personality disorder implies there is a strong tendency to antisocial behaviour that goes beyond the normal bounds and is present throughout the person's life. Personality disorders are much more difficult to treat than mental illnesses. It is difficult to change an individual's personality, and there is no reliable way of doing so. A clinical reviewer for the Prison and Probation Ombudsman concluded that no one could have foreseen the killing because of the random element of joint enterprise in the genesis of the attack. Describing Parr and Mann's actions, the clinical reviewer said, They came together and found they had a common interest in violent fantasies. Mann initiated the conversation about killing someone and found in Prisoner A a receptive audience. It is unlikely that Parr would have embarked on a similar plan had he not encountered Mann. Mann would probably not have gone through with the killing had he not encountered an individual with similar fantasies 
who encouraged him and in some ways goaded him on. His account suggests he had not anticipated receiving that support from Parr, but once he had made his original comments, he would have lost face and he backed down. The chance coming together of two highly disordered individuals could not reasonably have been foreseen, and it made it impossible to anticipate the risks. The report revealed that the risks posed by Nathan Mann and Michael Parr had not always been well communicated to the staff who needed to know. The reporter recommended that CCTV be installed on the vulnerable prisoner wing at HMP Franklin, and a change to policy on locking cell doors was applauded. The report concluded that Nathan Mann's case highlighted the dilemma of managing vulnerable prisoners who present a risk to other vulnerable prisoners, and the need for suitable regimes for prisoners who are serving long sentences having little to gain by cooperating with the prison staff. As Nathan Mann said, he had nothing to lose. So where are we now? In 2013, the inquest into the death of Mitchell Harrison was overseen by County Durham Coroner Andrew Tweddle. Acting Deputy Governor at Franklin Prison Robert Young had been in charge of security and operations at the time of Mitchell Harrison's murder. Speaking about the risks, Young said, Prisoners are provided with everyday items to enable them to live as normal a life as possible. Unfortunately, some will manufacture weapons out of everyday items. There's no way of eliminating this problem completely. We try to minimise the risk as much as possible. The coroner voiced his concerns over how much information was shared with prison officers regarding Nathan Mann before the murder. Mann had openly told healthcare professionals of his intent to kill someone. Coroner Andrew Tweddle said, I suggest the prison service carry out a further review to ensure the best information is given to the right individual at the right time. It might not have made a difference here, but it might on another occasion. Acting Deputy Governor Young told those at the inquest that threats were made daily in prison, and Mann had made similar statements in the past in an attempt to facilitate a move to a different unit. Prison officers highlighted that they were only informed when a security information report was made. They were not given the details, such as the report filed by the nurse to whom Mann made the threats known. Professor Anthony Madden, who had reviewed Mann and Parr's care for the Ombudsman report, said that their meeting was terribly unfortunate, but the staff had exhausted all of the options available to support the inmates' mental health care. Mann and Parr were psychopaths who were almost impossible to treat. Mitchell Harrison was not the first or last paedophile killed in prison. 
In October 2019, Richard Huckle, who had been given 22 life sentences for committing sexual abuse against approximately 200 Malaysian children between the ages of 6 months and 12 years, was trapped in his cell for 78 minutes with Paul Fitzgerald. During that time, Fitzgerald sexually assaulted Huckle with an object and beat and strangled him. He forced a pen up Huckle's nose and into his brain before finally killing him with an electrical cord at HMP Full Sutton. Like par and man, Fitzgerald had planned to cook and eat parts of his victim. Fitzgerald was sentenced to 34 years in prison for a murder he called Poetic Justice. Fitzgerald had already been serving an indeterminate sentence for a sexual assault on a dog walker in 2009. While jailing paedophiles and sex offenders makes the public safer, the risk to the offender is heightened, as most prisons do not have the means or the facilities to segregate them entirely from the general population. Both Nathan Mann and Michael Parr have been moved to different prisons and are housed in solitary confinement. Neither is eligible for psychiatric hospitalisation, so they will likely remain in prison for the rest of their lives. Thank you for listening and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.